Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Amen. Good morning, church. It's good to be here. I know I'm making some of you panic. You're like, why is he wearing a sweatshirt? Well, because I got here early and it was cool. And I haven't gone outside yet. But I have a tank top under here for, for those that are concerned. So <laughs> you'll see me in the parking lot in my tank top. So we're, we're good. All right. 100 degrees. Prove it. Easy. <laughs> I don't know. If you put a lot of amens, maybe the sweatshirt comes off. No, it, it won't, trust me. <laughs> Nothing special on under here. All right, here we go. Um, welcome to Capital Church. Uh, I am, my name is Shane Grove, and I get the awesome opportunity to, to challenge us today. It's, it's awesome. I love when worship and the Word come together. And uh, I was just thinking through as I was worshiping with you all as we're going through these songs, a lot of the themes of the songs that we were singing are topics that I'm going to talk through Scripture about. So we get it on both sides, from Scripture to, to worship. So if you were singing just because it was a good harmony or a good tune, I want to challenge you to think through the words that we were declaring. And so today, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, the idea of becoming good news people in a world replete with bad news. So I'm going to talk about the gospel. Like, is the gospel good news? Like, I don't know, you tell me. I, I think it is. Um, but I also believe that we live in a culture to where, to many, gospel is just news. It's not good news. It's just more news. And I, I would be crazy to think that there's people even here today and maybe listening online that uh, you might share uh, that same opinion that gospel to you is just, it's just more news of something else. And over the next few moments, I'd love to open up scripture and show you why it's called good news and what that means to, to you and I as followers of Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and you're not in that spot yet, that place yet. I'm believing today this is a day where uh, the love of God can encounter you and change you forever. Uh, I think often we think, for those that think the gospel is not good news, it's just news, it's probably because you've had a, it's a bad example or it's been, it has been represented well. Like, I don't know about you, but like, if you're into sales, if you don't know anything about the product, like the worst thing to do is go and sell that product. <laughs> right? You go, go to the door, knock on the door. Like, what is it? I'm, I'm not sure. What to do? I'm not entirely sure about that either, but it's really going to add value to your life and to your home. I mean, the door would close block after block after block after block. But I'm not also even saying that the gospel needs to, to be sold. Uh, it, it's, it's something that by itself, if you just open it yourself without a representation in front of you or rep in front of you, it's going to do something to you. How many know that faith comes by what? It comes by hearing. Yes, I 100% believe that. But I also think sight's important too. Seeing it lived out, I think, is very important. My wife came home the other day. And for some reason, her face was glowing. I'm thinking, man, she either was like in the presence of Jesus for a long time or she just got back from a facial. And it was, it was the latter or maybe both. Um, but my son even knows, like, Mom, there's just something different about you. And then she went on a really like a 30-minute sales pitch on what happened to her. And I'm like, stop it. There's no way. Because I'm a faith guy and I heard, I'm like, okay. I'm going to believe, but I also want to see it as well. So she's like, fine, tomorrow I'm setting up a facial for you. I'm like, do it, fine, I'm in. And so I went there after doing some construction on my home. So I wasn't like in sweats. I was like in my work boots and, you know, probably my Carhartt sweatshirt and there's dust all over. I wanted this, I wanted to give something to this person who's going to work on my face. I wanted to give her a, a challenge so I sat there, as most unbelievers do, with that unbelieving face, like, do your best. 
And uh, she's like, all right, we're going to get close and personal. My wife is there. And so she scoots in close to my face and starts telling me about my face and starts then putting stuff on my face from toners to first I had to wash my face. Uh, so I go through all these things and she's laughing as she is putting on this product. And she's laughing um, because she believes so much in the process of it. And she loves the shock that comes once she pulls the mirror up and shows just one side of your face that she worked, in my case, a miracle on. Now, it doesn't look too special right now, but I'm telling you what, it was special then. Like, I was glowing on one side of my face, and like, the bag under my eye was gone, and my cheekbones were lifted, and I'm like, I look 10 years younger on that side of my face. And she took a picture of it, and then she proceeded to do work the other side of the face. And I came out glow. I was glowing all day. High cheekbones and eye bags gone. I was a believer. I really was. I, I was sitting as uh, some of you guys are like, really? I'm like, yeah. I was leaning on the counter after it was all done, and she had a steamer set up for me, so my face is getting steamed. So I'm just leaning into it. And then a lady comes in. She's curious about the shop. And I'm not even hired there. I just met this shop owner, and I'm selling this lady on why she needs to buy what's being sold in this shop. And she'll even, I said, she'll even give you a free consultation. Sit down. She'll give you a facial, and then you just buy what you need to look like this. We found ourselves, my wife and I went there too, selling the product to, to complete strangers. I saw that. You know, some of you, you're looking at your husband like, you want to go? And the husband's like, no, I'm good. That's fine. The point is this, uh, that, that should be the gospel for many of us. It should be it's so convincing in our lives that we can't help but kind of laugh when we're around people who have hard stories. Not because we're laughing at their indifference or laughing at their hardship. We're just laughing at the goodness of God. Like, oh my gosh, just stay here long enough and just watch the transformation that could take place within your life and in your soul. When you go back 2,700 years to the book of Isaiah and you read Isaiah chapter 40, is I'm gonna start there today. We see that Isaiah, as he's speaking to the nation of Israel, he's bringing two, two words to him, a word of judgment first, because they were covenant breakers. They were given to idolatry. Uh, they were given to just acts of injustice. Uh, they were living for themselves, not living for Yahweh. And so there's a judgment that is sent to the house of Israel and the surrounding neighborhoods to Syria and to Babylon uh, as a result of their disobedience, walking away from the things of God. But it just doesn't stay there. With that, there's also a message of hope. And when you look at chapters 40 through 66 of the book of Isaiah, you see this beautiful uh, forecast of what's to come as Isaiah is pointing to the future that there will be one day a new Messiah. And this new Messiah is bringing a new Jerusalem, which is imagery of new heavens and a new earth. And that which has been broken by sin will be restored by the works and by the achievements of, of Jesus. And he, he says this 700 plus years before the coming of Christ. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her. That her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, verse 3. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low. And the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will, shall be revealed, and all flesh shall receive it together. And the mouth of the Lord has spoken this. Then you fast forward to the book of Matthew, and when you look at Matthew, something amazing takes place, and we see that... Uh, Jesus begins to teach his disciples uh, what the gospel is all about. Because if we're good news people, we can't be bad news people. You have to be good news people if you're good news people. And the one thing the world needs now more than ever is good news. Uh, not something that's just going to hold them over for a moment or make them feel a little better, but news that's going to bring change and hope to like the most inward part of humanity, to our hearts. News that will give us instruction on 
going from being a captive to be someone who's free, someone who's been overwhelmed with uh, wrong thoughts and a breakdown of the mind, news that brings restoration to the mind and to the heart. And when you look at Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, we see this is Jesus as he's already called his first disciples. They begin to ask him questions because they're curious like all of us. And he begins to sit down and he begins to give them instructions on the activities of heaven, what the virtues of the kingdom of God look like, what's the demand and the privilege that followers of Jesus have because God's made a new way of living accessible and possible. And for those three chapters, he begins to walk them through what that looks like. So remember my facelift. I don't know if it's called a facelift. That's how it's called. Facial, big difference. Remember my facial. I'm going to walk us through a church facial this morning just for a moment. Can, can, you, can you go with me? Can you be a good sport like I was? This is, this is the facial process. I'm going to go through three chapters of Matthew. Please don't, don't count me out. Uh, I'm not going to read every word and verse. I'm going to give you the main, the main points of what we see there. Uh, and then I'm going to go to chapters 8 and chapters 9 and give us, hopefully by the end of our moment here, a big picture of what the gospel is really all about. Because for many, uh, it's about my sins are forgiven, and when I die, I get to go to heaven. And that is true, but there's also so much more involved in this good news gospel story that Jesus demonstrates for us. Uh, in Matthew chapter 3, even before we get to the Beatitudes and uh, instructions on how to live, we see that in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist is said, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, we hear the words of Jesus say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or it's arrived. And we hear in the gospel of Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, we see that it says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Isaiah, 700 plus years prior to Jesus, was pointing to the day and time when the Messiah would come with his kingdom and make all things new. Now John the Baptist is on the scene and he's saying, repent for the kingdom of God, that which Isaiah was talking about, has arrived today. Jesus says the same, that which Isaiah the prophets were talking about on the fulfillment of today. So he says, repent, which means because a new kingdom has come, it requires a new way of living. You have to change the way you think, the way you process, the way you view life, the way you look at reality, the way you look at your neighbor, the way you look at your enemy. All of that has to change, and it's defined and determined by what Jesus sets out for us. And then you get into Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, and then Matthew 9, verse 35. Just remember those two references because they're bookends to uh, what we're going to talk about today. The first, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, we read that it says, And he, being Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among them. So that's said in chapter 4. He goes into the Beatitudes and the instructions on the virtue of the kingdom and living. And then when he's done with that, he ends it all by doing a recap, a bookend in chapter 9 of verse 35 that says, And Jesus, again, went through all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. So what we see is that the events and the teachings and the revelations of the Sermon on the Mounts and the activities that follow. They're all summed up in chapter 4 and chapter 9, and they point to two major things that the gospel is all about. The gospel in chapter 5, 6, and 7 is about the instructions of what it looks like to live a life following Jesus, how to function, how to live in the virtue of King Jesus. And then chapters 8 and 9, Jesus isn't done yet. He does the teaching, and then he begins to share stories, this collection of miracle stories and deliverance stories. The disciples are listening to, so is the active crowd that's been gathering and getting closer and closer and closer. By the time Jesus is done, it says that the crowd was astonished at his, at his authority, the way he was able to walk them through what the kingdom is all about. 
Why? Because he was a major believer. He was the chief component. He is the cornerstone. And he's walking them through what it means to have a transformed life. In part one, Matthew chapter five, the controlling theme is that of discipleship. It's teaching this new way of living in the kingdom of heaven, what it looks like. Chapter two, once again, is this collection of healing stories. See, Jesus just isn't just for the academics, and he's just not about, the gospel is just not about getting information out there. The gospel is also there, and it gives us hope that if you're sick, you have a physician. And if, you're in, if you have infirmities, you have a deliverer. And if you're possessed, you have someone who can set you free from those possessions. If your mind is crippled and tormented by the enemy, the Bible shows that we serve a God who has power over that. We see a picture of Jesus who, when the storms make the disciples freak out, it's Jesus who is certain of who he is and who the Father is, that he's just able to sleep through all that commotion. And then when he's ready, he speaks to the winds and the waves and the storms, and they just don't, like, kind of quiet down like your kids do in the third row. No, they, they fully quiet down, fully listen, fully obey. What, whatever you're going through, know that today you serve and you have access to the king of heaven who's able to set us free from anything. Uh, we see that Jesus, he sets this overview, and he gives these uh, list of privileges and also demands that come with this new way of living in these kingdom virtues. We see that uh, it's evidence that helps us when sharing the good news. Uh, because like I mentioned before, and I'll be a broken record on this, if it's good news, then it should transform us first. And if it's good news, it should be something that we want to tell to other people. It should alter our day. It should alter our schedule. And I'm just as convicted of this in areas and seasons of my life. If the good news is good news in shame, then it should change my course of direction sometime uh, when I know I need to share the story of hope with somebody. Uh, meaning it should be so motivating. I, we were talking about the other day, my wife and I, and people walk by our, our house on the sidewalk. And I'm like, babe, if it was good news for us, don't you think we should like be busting out this door and out these windows to tell those people walking by. And that's kind of the conviction, like, man, but I just think sometimes if we're not careful, it just becomes okay news for us. And if it becomes okay news for us, it's not going to be something that's going to motivate us to share that with others. But I love what Jesus does to disciples. He's blowing their mind. He's showing that, like, no, this is, this is better than good. This is life transforming. When you look at the Beatitudes, and I'll just spend a few moments looking at the Beatitudes, we see in the first uh, beatitude is in verse three of chapter five. Uh, Jesus says to the disciples, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see that word blessed, it can be translated, congratulations for the poor in spirit for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Or another translation can be welcome to the good life. You who are poor in spirit for yours is the kingdom of heaven. As Isaiah is talking about this to his audience, it would be Israel, it would be uh, the exile, it would be what happened because of the exile. You lose your possessions, you lose what you owned, your property is no longer yours, it's taken from you, affliction happens. Uh, this oppressive forces, uh, they've come and ripped you away from your home, they've come, you've, you've endured that. And what Jesus is saying here is, if that's you, he's basically saying the story's not over. Because the promise is this, if you're poor in spirit, it means that uh, you have to rely on someone else for your help. And I think the point being made here, too, when you read through, you're like, it, it, it shows this point, that just because you don't have possession, it doesn't mean that that disqualifies you from the kingdom of heaven. Just like if you have possessions, it doesn't qualify you to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. I think the point that Jesus is making is that this isn't about whether you have little or whether you have much. The point is, do you have me? And if you have me, then you have a possession that no one, no power, no force can take that away. So when you look at the gospel and the good news in verse 3, we see that the good news is you have possession and freedom and hope that no one can take away. Then he moves to verse 4. Or blessed or congratulations to those who mourn, for you will be comforted. 
When we look at those who mourn, and many of us have experienced mourning within our life, grief, loss, uh, the reality is that you can't escape it, that if you live long enough, you experience some form of grief and loss. When you read Jesus and when he's talking to his disciples, I don't think he's yelling at them here saying, get over it. Like throw some dirt on it for crying out loud. Like it's not like this horrible father speech to the son. Stop crying. What are you doing? Be a man. Grow up. Throw dirt on it. I, I've thrown dirt on it before and it doesn't help. Like dirt's not a, a, a good remedy for anything, I don't think. And this is not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, get over your grief. Just get through it. No, I think it's more a softer tone. I think that would probably be more of a nurture, nurturing tone like that's built in uh, in moms. They just, they're grace for it. And it's nurturing in a way of saying, I know, I recognize your pain. I recognize your hurt. I recognize that you're going through something that's really hard And here's the good news about this. And this is the good news that we see. For blessed are those who mourn for to be comforted. It's it's this, that you don't have to mourn by yourself. What does Jesus point to? Well, Jesus points not to a what, a who. He points to the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. He's saying, "This this is your hope for you. Because blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that's available right now. What Jesus in this moment is pointing to, blessed are you who mourn for you will be comforted. What's he, what's he talking about? Ultimately, the, the full reign and return of the Messiah, uh, where all things are made right, but he's also pointing to the paraclete, that the Holy Spirit as a minister is coming and going to bring comfort to your broken hearts and souls. And you get the privilege of walking through not shaking yourself free of, but walking through the process of grief and mourning and loss with the help of the nurturing side of God, which is the Holy Spirit. Have you experienced mourning? Are you grieving today? Know this, the good news for you is that the Holy Spirit is with you and he fills your pain and he walks through it and he brings you to a place of not more grief and suffering, but a place of of healing. Congratulations, verse five says, for those who are meek, for they'll inherit the earth. The meekness of a person is described as someone who's gentle, one who operates in self-control, free from malice. Those who don't exploit the weak, they champion the cares of the marginalized and others. We see that meekness is not a character trait that you came up with or I came up with. It's not even a personality. It's all a byproduct of what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, is a fruit of the Spirit. So it's a byproduct of being with the Holy Spirit Meekness gets in you. It, it's, it's God's way of tenderizing your heart. Like you ever just like, you know, you're getting barbecue ready and you get the meat tenderizer out and you just, you work that thing until you know when you put it on the grill and then when you bite into it, it's gonna be just, it's gonna melt in your mouth. That kind of, and in a great more way, is what God is wanting to do within all of our hearts, that there's a softness to us, which is a meekness. It's a self-control. It's a gentleness. It's not, it's not a weakness. It's not like an insecurity. It's simply uh, an indicator that you've been in the presence of Jesus, and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to do something in you. Congratulations for those who are meek, for you'll inherit the earth. That's a picture of like, you know, he talks about even sonship. That's, that means that the, the proud and the lofty and the mighty and the powerful and the dominant, they're not the ones promised the earth. It says the meek are guaranteed the inheritance of this new creation, new heavens and new, and new earth. I think it's a picture of... Uh, it's a picture of leaning in and putting our allegiance into Jesus as our help, as our support, as our advocate, etc. If you have a meekness problem, I, I'm telling you, it's not a personality issue. If there's a meekness problem in us, it's a Holy Spirit problem in us. And if we have a Holy Spirit problem in us, we have a real problem. And the, the, the help is uh, God knows our story. He knows what he's working us through. Um, it's amazing uh, when you get into the time and you spend time in the presence of Jesus through prayer, through reading of scripture, for being open enough to when the word points something out in you that instead of kind of putting a forearm towards it 
or turn a hard heart towards it, you allow it to change you. It's amazing how in turn that affects your relationship with people. There's a meekness that you receive. You also are able to walk in this meekness that is very attractive to other people. What's the good news about this? The good news uh, about those who are uh, walk in meekness uh, is that you have a new creation in Jesus. A new heaven and new earth is your inheritance. No enemy and no power can take it from you. It's occupied by the meek. The next one is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now I'm helping you. This is we're just we got some toner on our skin. Uh, we're now applying a few oils. Uh, you're going to go out of here glowing today. The next is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall what be satisfied. You'll be refreshed by it. Um, the picture of those who are righteous are those who desire Yahweh, those who desire God. Not those who are perfect and have their whole life put together, but it's those who have made a decision that they're going to place Jesus at the center and not themselves. And so they lean in with all their excitement and their energy and their hurt and their pain and everything that comes with being human, and you're desiring to know Jesus more and more and more. I asked this question in our first service. Have you ever been thirsty before to where you've just been to a point of dehydrated dehydration, and the only thing that you desire is water. Isn't it funny when the only thing you desire being water, especially when you're in that place of thirst, uh, when you get to that point, nothing else seems satisfying. Like no one, when they're just ultra thirsty, reaches for a glass of whole milk. Uh, no one, no one wants to eat more. No one's like, pile on the lasagna, you know, let's, let's get more, let's get saltines. Yeah, 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 that's a good one. When you're thirsty, no one wants to go through a whole sleeve of saltines. No, the only thing that satisfies is water, and you consume it. I think this is the picture that Jesus is saying when it comes to those who are hunger, hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's when you get to that place and that type of hunger and thirst for the kingdom of heaven that you just start to really understand what it's all about. The, the, the promise and the good news that comes along with verse 6 is that your appetite will change as you continue just to hunger and thirst for the things of Jesus. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive the same. They'll receive mercy. Verse 7. Uh, the one who has been forgiven much has a way of forgiving much. Uh, the one who knows the incompleteness of their own life, uh, especially as they put Jesus in their story, uh, they have a way of being compassionate for the incompleteness of other people's life. And they don't jump at the occasion to tear people down, but they realize what has happened in their own story. And there's a, there's a sense of gratitude that comes from that. Because of his great love, Paul says, He's talking about Jesus for us. God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, is by grace that you've been saved. Paul, he, he makes us remember this. Remember, at your worst, when you were at your worst, and when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and you were undeserving of anything, it was Jesus who gave his life for you as an exchange, and he sets the beautiful picture of what mercy looks like. The good news is you, you can't exaggerate God's grace and the mercy he extends towards you and I today. Verse 8, blessed are you pure in heart for you will see, you'll see Yahweh. We know that the heart is the control center of our life and when it comes to us encountering Jesus or Jesus encountering us, we see that the heart is reborn. It's recalibrated through this decision to center one's life and heart and purpose on the things of Jesus. Blessed are you, or congratulations, pure in heart, you'll see God is a picture of salvation. First John says, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and God, they live, God lives in them, and they in God. The good news is those who call in the name of Jesus are saved. The relationship that sin severed is now restored through the works of Jesus. Relationship Access is now fully granted, not in part, but in, in whole, meaning you have the approach not through a person or a priest or anyone else. You have direct approach to the relationship with God himself through the Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. John says, 
uh, as, he, as he speaks, as Jesus speaks in the Gospel of John, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I think Jesus is saying that because there's going to be situations that are going to come that are going to make or try and attempt to trouble your hearts and make you fearful in spirit and mind and heart. But Jesus says, take heart. There's a peace that the world can't, they can't create. They can't manufacture. It's not synthetic. It's, it, this is real. It's genuine. It's organic. It comes from the throne room of God. It comes from heaven itself. It's a peace that doesn't make you just do nothing. It just doesn't. It's not like, uh, I always thought it's, it's this. It's not a, a puddle in the middle of a road. That's not a picture of peace. That's stagnation. Do, you ever, do you, anyone remember the spinning tops? think that's a call? If you don't, just look it up. You just, I don't know why. It just shows how simple we were as kids back then. That was our toys. Spinning top, and you just watch it spin. I think that's the better picture of peace than a stagnant puddle. It's this force and power, but it's under control, and when you watch it spin, you find yourself just watching it spin. I think if we really to understand the peace of God, what happens is people just kind of watch us spin. Like, what? You, you go through that, this, and the other, and your life is intact, it's together, there's like a, it's attractive. Yeah, that's, I think, what Jesus is, is saying here with this peace that comes straight from heaven, and this is the promise that the peace is, is with you. Because of Jesus, you can be part of this reconciliation, this love-promoting, uh, and this quenching hate agenda that God has us on as people carriers of his peace and his righteousness. Verse 10, lastly is this, congratulations, blessed are you who, when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Opposition, times humiliation comes from following, from following Jesus. Um, it's because we really have a real adversary who does not like our gathering here this morning. Uh, we have an adversary who's always against the mission and the purposes of God. But the good news is this, uh, that Jesus lost so that we could win. And the gospel is all about Jesus losing, but it's also all about Jesus being the victor. Because the gospel is just not about your sins being saved and you feeling better and then you getting life insurance that when you uh, exit planet Earth, you're in the presence of God forever. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. The gospel is all about the entire life of Jesus. It's about his death. It's about his life after his death, and it's about the return uh, of Jesus as he makes all things brand new. It's not part of it. It's all of it. And when you're done working and walking through the process of it, you can't come out the other side looking the same. You look completely different. But that's just the teaching portion of chapter 5, 6, and 7. Jesus then, while he has their attention, he then begins to share a collection of stories that have to do with miracles, has to do with healing wonders, and has to do with people being delivered from infirmity and from demons and from all sorts of affliction. And the time he had, it was only just a little snapshot. If all the miracles of all of uh, the work of Jesus was recorded, it, this binding in my Bible wouldn't be large enough. This room wouldn't be large enough. Jesus just isn't interested that you know more information about him. We serve a God who's interested in us knowing him personally, intimately, uh, not just in information alone, but also that your physical body, that your mind, that your heart, that your thinking, that your eyes, that your breathing, all of it would be influenced and affected by the reality of who, of who God is. In chapters 8 and 9, and I can get this done in one minute, at least this section, and I have a few more minutes, so sit tight. Uh, Jesus, in chapters 8 and 9, I'm just going to give you, you could read it yourself. We see stories that involve Jesus. He cleanses a leopard with a touch and a demand saying, be clean, and the leopard was clean. A centurion comes to Jesus who's interceding for his paralyzed servant who's at home. A, one, a man who's aware and acquainted with how authority works. And Jesus sends word and heals through this man saying, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And when the man returned to his household, his friend was completely healed and put back together. We see that Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law uh, who was sick 
with a fever. Uh, we see that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and he bore our diseases. That's out of Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. Jesus demonstrates his authority over weather patterns. He hushes the storm. He rebukes wind, wave, and sea, and they all obey him. And the megalodons return back to their place. He delivers the demoniacs in their right nature. He gives permission to the paralyzed to walk. He heals a a woman who's been suffering with ailment for 12 years in the same story on the same way. A father who is in desperation for his 12-year-old daughter interrupts Jesus And he asked that Jesus would come to his house. Man, the audacity. A stranger asking a busy Messiah to come to his house. And what do we see Jesus? I love Mark's rendition of this because the man comes to Jesus first. Uh, We see that the woman touches Jesus. There is an interruption. Jesus heals that woman. And then he carries on throughout the crowd to go to the father's house to heal this 12-year-old daughter who was dead. I love what he did when he went to the home. He kicked out every unbeliever, any naysayer, any person who's like, just roll their eyes. This can't be. There's no way. She's past the point of return. He, He sets an example for the three disciples with him. And he says, listen, I need you to do this for me. You clear the house. I only want the people that are really going to believe. Keep mom and dad there. Watch. We're going to see resurrection power in, 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 in first person. And the, the young girl comes to life. We see that uh, he, uh, see, he restores sight to the blind. So then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them. See that no one knows about this. But when they went away, and they spread his fame throughout all the district. Well, of course. Of course they did. Like, if you were blind and you encounter an individual who lays his hands on you and you now are healed, and then he tells you don't say anything about it, the last thing you're going to do is not say anything about it. You're going to tell everybody. Why? Because it was good news to them. I think that's my point. It was like such good news to them, even the command to keep quiet about it, they couldn't keep quiet about it because of what happened to them physically. And there was definitely more going on than just what happened physically to them. Their whole lives were transformed by the power of Jesus. He blocks the obstruction of the mute. Uh, He delivers them from demons. We see that uh, in that case, the man began to speak and the crowd began to marvel especially for those who knew him and he couldn't speak. And he was, he was possessed. Can, can we say that t- today? Do you know that spiritual possession does not frighten the king of heaven? Do you know that your report from doctors who just, most of them just giving their best and just trying that's not the, the end all and that's not the final say. See, it happens to me when I look through Matthew chapter four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, chapter 10, when then he gets the disciples and says, okay, it's time to go. He begins to commission them. What you've heard, this teaching, it's just not enough. This isn't just an academic setting. We're just not all sitting around in seminary and this is, we got the information now, now we're good to go. No, no, no. This is so that you can live out what it means to be a person on mission, showcasing the story of the gospel that just doesn't just make some people happy and passes other people, but it's a story for everybody. And I love, as you read this, it, it just encourages your faith. Jesus gives instruction and authority to his disciples to go and do the same to speak to those who are possessed and see the power of Jesus set people free, to speak healing over those who are blind, to talk to the sick and declare and point to the the physician, the great physician, Jesus, to, to be peace in people's storms, to walk with people as you know the paraclete, the comforter, to walk with people, not just to push them off and the advice you give them, just, ah, You'll get over it. 
it's walking with people who are hurting and broken until they're able then to run again on their own. I mean, this is the picture of what God's called the church to be and what he's called every believer to be. My relationship with Jesus is just not about me. It's about what our lead pastor has been telling us about. It's put your head up. Look at someone, notice someone, see someone, speak well of someone, speak life into someone. The other day, this is just a beautiful, this is the Holy Spirit, because my head's down. I'm studying. I'm in a coffee shop. My head's down, studying, doing the work of the Lord. And uh, I had, I remember, I was like, ah, my outfit day wasn't too strong. There's a lot of checkers. Checkered sweatshirt, and I got grab my Vans checkered backpack. Just a lot of, just not a good dad game, right? Just a lot of checkers going on. So, but I'm like, whatever, you know, who cares? So I'm, I'm studying there and there's a couple, there's two older ladies across the table from me and they're having their conversation and I'm just entertained. I go in and out. My wife calls it, I, I chase butterflies. So I'll study, but then I'll just chase other people's conversation. Then I'm back to it. Anyhow, I'm back to it. And then after 30 minutes, I hear, excuse me, young man, um, I'm just curious, is what you're wearing have anything to do with what you're studying or what you're reading? And I'm like, oh, so I'm like, they didn't, I shouldn't wear checkers. Yes, no, the checkers, no, has nothing to do. I'm not like a mechanic or a race car driver or anything like that. Like, and those are all great things. But uh, I go, I'm studying. I begin to explain to him just a little bit, like what I was studying. And they're like, oh, that's nice. And they went back to talking. I'm like, well, that didn't land well, you know? And then, uh, I don't know, 15 minutes later, the other lady speaks to her friend about me, and we're like four feet away. We're at the same table. And she's like, "Did he? is he, is he a Christian? And uh, so then she turned back around. They began just to uh, say, excuse me, what, what are you studying? And so I just began to explain. And it was one of those moments, like, maybe you've had them. Everything kind of went blurry on the margins, and everything was just clear at that table as I was talking to these, these two, two ladies. And uh, I don't know why, but I began just to kind of share uh, my story a little bit and begin to share even uh, some of the, I don't know, just some challenges of, with, with some friends and their health and uh, my own mom in particular and what my dad had kind of been struggling with. Just kind of gone, just, I just opened up for a moment. And uh, the, the older lady amongst them says, I, I don't really do this. She's like, I don't want to, like, one-up you. And then she just goes in, and she just begins to share her story. I love how the Holy Spirit, like, got my attention. Like, he had me lift my head up and, and notice and talk to this, this wonderful, wonderful uh, friends here, these, these ladies. And she was my, we're educators, my husband's. And then she, as she's talking, she's like, I don't even know why I'm explaining. I don't even know why I'm telling you this. But she's like, my husband passed away of a heart attack too long ago. My daughter died when she was in her late 40s, fight with cancer. My son, he, he passed away through this event. Now she's by herself. And I was like, the only thing is, is like, I'm like, wow. And what I learned as we were talking is that she too was a believer. And it was a beautiful moment where both the Holy Spirit encouraged me, but also gave me the opportunity to encourage her. And I'm telling you, I was fighting back tears, and her friend just, just smiling is all get out. She too just lost her sister who's on hospice, and here she's been here for a couple years. They, what they share together is their friendship and some hardship. And I just said, "Ma'am, I go. You are you are strong." Like, there's, just, I don't even know you, but man, there is just a strength that you have. Have you written a book? And she laughs. She's like, no, but my friends tell me to write a book. I'm like, I think you should write a book because just in the last few moments of you talking, what you've done, even in my heart, the encouragement you brought to me, even through your pain, because I realize you're, you're a person that she's, and this is what she is, she's marked by joy. She's marked by a bigger story than what she's hearing on the news. She's marked, she's, she's focused on a greater narrative than just what's happening globally and nationally. She's, she's focused on this narrative of heaven. And even though she's crying and she's suffering 
from the loss of her loved ones. Like, whoo, she's got, she's got a joy that is contagious. And it was contagious. It brought me into her story. And I, we want to be that. That's who we are as a church. It's who we are as a church. The good news is news that transforms and change and radically uh, challenges us from every corner of life. The reason why God loves to heal, and I'm done with this, I'm gonna give us four things to think about in like 90 seconds. The reason why God loves to heal is because it's a visible picture of what he's doing at a bigger level, a grander scale. Isaiah says, you're broken right now, you're exiled right now, you're oppressed right now. A lot of it has to do with your bad decision to not trust Yahweh and to break the covenant. But the promise is this, it doesn't end with judgment. Hope is coming and hope is in the person of his son, Jesus, the Messiah, who's coming to make all things brand new, pointing to a new glorious future that we all get to be a part of. And the reason why healing is so beautiful is because Isaiah is saying what's broken is being restored by the rest the restoration act of God restoring his kingdom. Well, when your body is touched, when it's healed from cancer, what is it? It's a wonderful picture, a glimpse of what God is doing on a larger scale making that which is broken and sick and that, that, was, that, that is uh, filled with infirmities and there's a deliverance that takes place. Why does, why does God heal in some areas and why God doesn't heal in others? I don't know. Well, don't you think that it's, it's too much pressure when you're praying for people who need healing? Like what if it isn't the will of God for them to get healed? Well, that's not your story and that's not my position. We can't take that position. You know what my role is? Our role? Our role is to believe a God who heals. And how he does that and how he administrates that, that's on him. That's on the Holy Spirit. Our job is to continue to point people to a God who can make all things brand new. We see that Jesus, he is, he tells us, we look through the Gospels, four things. And that is that um, we could be spirit-empowered people. And if we're if we're in a relationship with Jesus, we should be spirit-empowered people. Paul says, if you live in the spirit, then for crying out loud, I just put that in there, then you should walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirits. Rely on the Holy Spirit. You, you'll, he'll get your attention too. You'll pop your head up and have conversations that will, that'll melt your heart. Um, we're spirit-empowered. Three more things. We're joy-giving. We're joy-giving. As carriers of the gospel of good news, we're joy-giving. You can read, I think it's chapter 7, chapter 8 of this new book that's out by Tracy Wild Pace. Uh, I think she talks about joy is a choice. And so if, if you want to be a person that is defined by your circumstances, then okay, be that person, but it's not going to end well. You can be a person that's defined by the achievements of Jesus and your relationship you have with Jesus, and you can make joy a choice. And then you can also help others in that same process. The third thing we are is we're burden lifting. This week, don't put burdens, weights on people. Grab a corner. Like, I don't have to carry this by myself if I know other people are carrying different corners of it. Like, help this week grab a corner in someone's life and help lift burdens with them in relationship and friendship and confession uh, in praise and worship together and prayer. And then lastly, uh, be captive freeing. You can't free anybody. Only Jesus can. So how we are captive freeing is we point people to Jesus uh, and we continue to point people to Jesus. And then we just watch this beautiful, beautiful escape take place as he opens jail cells. He sets people free from addictions in their lives. As he sets people free from minds that have been tormented by the enemies. He sets people free from the ravages of sin and death. We serve a God who is alive, who is powerful, and he is always and forever on the move. Father, thank you for who you are today. Lord, thank you that in the midst of this assembly, there are people with great needs. There are people that have encountered loss and tragedy and pain. But I'm confident today that you're the God who brings great comfort. You're the God who brings uh, release. You're the God uh, who takes that which is broken and old and you make all things brand 
new. I thank you that the good news, it is. It's good news. It's, it's news that transforms us from the inside out. And today I pray that we would be that. We would be a people that are good news people in a world that's replete with bad news and bad ideas. Lord, that we would help be a change. Uh, we'd help be uh, agents that would point people to the saving grace of King Jesus. For those that are here today and they, you just need, you need a breakthrough in your physical body. God, I thank you that you're the God who heals. I love what Moses prayed when he's praying for Miriam. He says, Yahweh, please, please. Well, that's my prayer today. Yahweh, please, God, please heal those that are in need today. Lord, as they extend their hearts and their faith to you, I thank you that you're the God who doesn't disappoint. God, we love you. We bless you today in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.